It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VaultQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products, organic remedies. That is Smoky Mountain Organics. Check them out online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com or visit in-store one of their four locations, three in Sevier County, one in Knoxville on Kingston Pike, just down near Barnes & Noble across the street there. Um, where the Trader Joe's and that shopping center is. And then they have the store in Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, and Sevierville. That is Smoky Mountain Organics. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I am Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on this mailbag edition. Plenty of questions to get to, as always. And we'll jump right in uh, with a couple of recruiting questions right out of the gate. Austin, what does the linebacker board look like for the 23 class? Updates on Grant Godfrey and Grayson Howard. Um, Godfrey, someone Tennessee likes uh, a good amount. Um, you know, uh, Grayson Howard, Tennessee loves, you know, and I would put him right up there at the top. I mean, you gotta think like Caleb Herring's going to play, you know, outside backer, um, you know, but I mean, he, he's not going to, he's not an inside guy, but he's not put his hand, he's not Tyler Barron either. He's, you know, he's going to, you know, be one of those guys that comes off the edge. Um, you know, Grayson Howard's right there at the top of the list. Um, you know, there, there's a handful of guys that Tennessee's really going after pretty hard. Um, and I know when talking to uh, some people on campus, uh, you know, including Brian Jean-Marie, uh, you know, the month of March is going to be big to try to get some of their top targets in here. Yep, we'll see who comes into town for unofficial visits and, and what that looks like. Speaking of Caleb Herring, C.D. Vol wants to know, assuming Tennessee's the leader for Herring, which team would be running second right now to, to Caleb Herring? It doesn't matter. I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to be – it doesn't matter. I mean, like, Tennessee's going to get Caleb Herring. It's not, you know, if, it's when. And, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, there, there's a process in all recruitments. And so that's kind of – we're just in those checking the boxes type stuff. But, I mean, you know, him and his brother are super, super, super tight. And, you know, that one at this point to me is a foregone conclusion. All right. Let's go to a hoops question. Sam Smith, 2233, does – Jonas uh, Adu have the highest ceiling of anyone on this roster, and who draws JT JD Note Saturday? And is this team of c- capable of handling that environment? Um, let's start with the second one. Who gets that assignment on, on Note, and can Tennessee handle uh, Barn the new Barnhill Arena? I guess it's not new anymore, but can they handle Fayetteville, Rob? I mean, start. I mean, probably JJ. I mean, Josiah is probably the guy you match up with. But I mean, Tennessee switches everything. I mean, there. I mean, you don't. The guy doesn't end up you know, guarding the same dude 15 seconds into most possessions. But, I mean, starting when they cross half court, most of of the time, I think when he's on the floor, you'll see Josiah matched up with him. But, again, Tennessee switches just about – certainly one through four, sometimes one through five, depending on what lineup the other guys are. I mean, I think Tennessee can handle the environment. I mean, I don't think think the environment's going to overwhelm them, but I I wrote it in the the 3-2-1 and said it on our podcast earlier this week. I thought Tennessee would beat Kentucky and lose at Arkansas. And I, I, I still kind of lean that way. But it won't be because they're not mentally enough, to, mentally tough enough to play in there. It's just, I mean, I, I think if you watch the Auburn game last week, that place was a madhouse. I think it will, will be on Saturday. And um, I, I, that, that, along with Thompson Bowl and, and Auburn and Rupp, I think are the, are the best arenas in, in, in the league when, when they have something to cheer about. 
nothing about nothing about Ziegler and, and Kennedy Chandler says they're going to get unnerved. Arkansas may just win because it's tough to win in there, and Tennessee may not shoot the ball as well as they've shot it here lately. Uh, you know, so you know, I, I ultimately think Rob's right. I, I, at this point, and I think Rob will agree. After you won the Kentucky game, you're playing with house money going to Arkansas. If you were to if you were to sweep this week, that is such a monumental feat. Um, you know, so I, I to me, they're playing with house money. Yeah, and I mean, I won't be shocked if they win at all. I mean, they, they can play well to win. I, I just if, if you put a gun to my head, I would pick Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas just played really well at home for the most part, and, and obviously they played terrific in that Auburn game that nobody was going to beat them that night in, in that arena. Um, but but this is an Arkansas team that certainly got better. I, I think Jonas Adu is a fascinating story, Rob. I, I don't know about highest ceiling of anyone on the roster talk, but but I think it's it's interesting where he's at right now, what he's given to Tennessee. How much of a surprise is that to you? And how much would we have seen Jonas if Olivier doesn't get hurt? You know, I, that's I can't answer that question. I mean, I would I would like to think that you would have seen him, but I don't know that that's accurate. And I mean, I've said I don't care if people believe me or not. You were going that gym in January, and you wouldn't have known the difference whether I, 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 they do practice that day or not. I mean, believe you know some people on the board you know want to blame Rick, and, you know, for putting him in mothballs and not playing him. I mean, that's just. That, Again, I don't care what you think. That's just not true. I mean, the kid did not look like he did last night at any point in time if you walked in that gym from November through the end of January. Don't you think, too, Rob, a lot of that is he knew he wasn't going to play, so your engagement in practice, and then even if you get into some mop-up duty, it's just not there because you know you're not in playing totally. real minutes. Totally. I mean, I, I think that when you go and play, would they, what, I mean, when did Olivia get hurt? Last week in South Carolina, what was that like? Week and a half ago. I'm trying to think. Was that maybe the third, the 11th or 12th SEC game, and you haven't played yet? I mean, you're going to keep coming to practice every day and really, absolutely, you know, bang your head against the wall and and. But I mean, I, I think that's probably part of it, AP. But I, I think the bigger part was just missing just about you know every just about all the preseason in October, the first couple of weeks of practice in November. I mean, the kid was just so far behind. Not for, not only from a you know, what, what do we, what's the playbook? What do we do on, you know, what's our defensive philosophy? We're, we're, you know, where's my help? All that kind of stuff, but just conditioning. I mean, when you miss that much time as a division one athlete and, you know, basketball, football, track and field, soccer, whatever, I mean, you're just, you're going to, you're going to be behind. Do, do, does Tennessee fans, should they be cautious in that? I mean, obviously he was terrific against Kentucky, but, but that's, not necessarily a mainstay week in, week out. And I say this, he, he's a very different player than Euros. He's much more talented ultimately than Euros. But but there was a point in the stretch in the middle of January where Tennessee fans were thinking that Tennessee had figured it out in the post because of what Euros was doing, what he was giving them from a, a toughness and grit standpoint. Is, is what Jonas did against Kentucky, Rob, is that is that a baseline? Is that a high water mark for where he's at right now? Do you think there's you think that he can consistently do what he did against Kentucky night in and night out? I mean, I think he can do what he did in the paint around the rim night in and night out. Now, I don't know that he's going to grab seven rebounds and, you know, make his foul shots and all that every night. But I think if all you are asking him to do is protect the rim, I think he can do that. Now, is he going to know what to do against every offensive set that you're going to see because he's really, you know, grinding an in-film session and, and knows the defense that well, then no. I mean, I think there's going to be some nights where, where he looks lost. But if all, within three feet of the basket on defense, he could do that every night. 
I how, think. How differently does it change a good defensive team if they've got a guy who can do oh, that three feet? I, mean, I think basket? If, if he's playing 18, 20 minutes a night, like he played 18 minutes last night, I, I think it changes things dramatically, hugely. I mean, you saw, I mean, they held the, the best offensive team in the SEC to 63 points and 34% shooting. And I mean, he, he wasn't the only reason. But and, and realistically, don't you? I, I always chalk those last four or five points up to like Tennessee's not really playing real defense. They're just trying to get it to the triple zeros. Like, sure. you know, they're not getting in front of anybody. They're like, yeah, we'll, have, we'll give up the easy two, you know. Three point I mean, play like, with a cheap foul. Yeah. I mean, wide open three. Much like, much totally. like, you know, when Tennessee gets to like, 77 go from 71 to 77 in the last 20 seconds on free throws it's the same way i mean you're, yeah. you're adding points that you really they very nearly held kentucky in the 50s which would have been in a college yes. yeah i mean they were terrific and, and i mean they've been good defensively consistently all year long with the exception of the one game at kentucky i just i mean if if he can do in the paint what he if a dude can do in the paint what he did last night or, or against kentucky I mean that that turns a really good defense into potentially a really really good defense. I mean it can it, it allows them to even be more aggressive to me on the out on the perimeter with all that they want to do because they've got rim protection beh- behind him for for straight line drives. So um, certainly something to watch for sure with this team and, moving forward in, in the postseason. And this la- highest ceiling, I would I mean people may not want to believe it, but I would still say Hat- Huntley Hatfield. I mean his body. Um, is way different than Jonas. Um, I mean, Huntley Hatfield, I, he's not even scratching the surface. I mean, it's not even he's, – he's not even taking the wrapper off to start scratching the surface of, of what he could do. I mean, that kid could – I mean, he, he really has a chance to be special. I mean, it might be three years, it might be four years, but the way, the, the way he can make shots, uh, you know, just his strength – uh, his versatility, I, I think he has the highest ceiling of, of anybody out there. Not to say a dude doesn't have a ton of potential, but I would, I would, if you want to, you know, make a bet on who's the, the better player in five years, I would take Brandon. All right, let's go to the next one here. Is it? I know it's early, but would you say who would you say is the most important defensive recruit Tennessee is in on Austin? Not named Caleb Herring, Big Burley. Okay, Big Burley. Just because, just because. You're in that one again. It's going to be a tussle against some really good teams, but you're you're in that one heavily in that one. The kid loves Rodney. The family loves Rodney, which puts Tennessee right there in the dogfight amongst some really elite programs. So, Is it, you know, that's why I go him. Otherwise, I go Christian Conyer because he's a he's a super gettable kid at a Bowling Green, Kentucky that is got real talent. I think. I think he is a. He is Emmanuel Mosley, except for he don't. He when he gets to campus, he won't have to put on thirty pounds to get to underweight. <laughs> so I mean, like I, you know, I I think I think he, he's got that kind of you know ability to play in the NFL. With Burley, is it Georgia or Georgia and Alabama? Clemson, Clemson as well. Um, you know, so I mean, like you know, Tennessee's in on some really solid players in this twenty three class. Again, they just got to continue to get them to got to continue to get them to campus. You know, I mean, like. You know, Trayvon Webb is going to be here, um, you know, on the fifth, the running back from Florida. Probably not going to get that kid. But, it, again, you're getting over here for a junior day. You shoot your shot. You see where you're at coming out of it. If you don't feel like you're in it, you, you move on to somebody else and there's no harm, no foul. But, potentially, you you know, you you, you show well and you get in that one for a while. So, Yep. Uh, I, I would agree, Burley, I think. But, again, that, that may be the toughest get of all the defensive guys that they're, de- that they're heavily in on. 
just because of the competition that you're going with. Uh, with the start of the season around the corner, does the baseball team have a chance to make a deep run in the tournament this year? I think they do. They've got to get healthy on the pitching side of things. Can they catch lightning in the bottle that they caught a year ago and win all those close games? We'll, we'll have to see. I think they're talented enough to certainly make a run. Uh, and it's about, it's about pitching, you know, your best at the right time of the year. Uh, peaking towards the, the end of the season is, is always your challenge, and we'll see uh, where this team gets to at the end can, of the year. Can some of those younger ground. guys hold it together early to get Blade Tidwell back, and then all of a sudden they're not really, quote, freshmen anymore, and then he comes back? Because they do have, to me, some real firepower to be able to hit the ball. Um, it's kind of the pitching staff. Even though it's deep, it's still inexperienced and young. Yep, and that'll be the question, particularly early on. They're going to take some lumps, I think, early. And we'll see how they grow from that and move from that. I don't know that this is going to be a team that starts as fast record-wise as they have the last two years. His, the, the, the final question in this post is, which pass UT quarterback are you taking to play for UT in the modern age of football? Hey, is anybody, anybody saying anybody other than Hugh Shuler, Rob Lewis? Give me the sheriff in, in, in any era. I don't care. Think you couldn't win with Peyton? Oh, absolutely you could. Absolutely. I, I think I think Peyton wins in any era of football. I think he Schuler thrives better in this era of oh, football no, than he no would have question. in his previous era. No question. I mean, he would have been special, but I'm not I'm not taking anybody but 16. You're not taking anybody but the Hall of Famer? That's a pretty safe bet, right? Well, take, take the Hall I, of Famer. Bernie Veazey. Bernie Veazey. Bernie Veazey. The pride of Mississippi, number five, Bernie Veazey. Uh, Would you think Bernie Veazey or Bo Hardigree in this current era of football go? How about Bo Hardigree moving up the old coaching ranks in the National yeah. Football League? Congratulations to Bo uh, Hardigree. Next time, the, next time the Tennessee job comes open, you can just see it. Bring Bo home. Bring, Bring Bo, Bo, home. Bo home. That's exactly right. Reverend Blue Jeans, by the way, a great screen name. Uh, in the time you've covered the Vols, who's been your favorite to interview, chat with football and basketball-wise? Present players excluded. Excluded. You know, I, when they were here, like I think, I think there's a bunch of guys that I think appreciate the media more now than maybe when they went through. Um, you know, I really enjoyed chatting with Alvin when he was here. I just he was just a different kind of he was a different kind of kid, man. I mean, he just he kind of embraced it. He would cut it up with you. Um, you know, basketball wise. Yeah, I've not been around that as much like Rob has, but you know, there's still some quality kids over there in that basketball program that that are I think are have good personality. Now he he said favorite to interview slash chat with, and that's two separate things to me, you know, because there's some guys you enjoyed chatting with that you covered, but you didn't really like interviewing because they changed dramatically when they entered when they went into looking the at you, Chris process. Lofton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. Love, love Chris Lofton. The Chris Lofton sitting in a chair. Uh, courtside shooting the breeze is very different than Chris Lofton with a microphone in his face and three cameras and, and three cameras in his face for sure. Uh, I like, I mean, Grant, Grant was great. Grant was pretty good on camera or off. And yeah. uh, the sleigh dog was yeah. the sleigh dog was the same as a 22 year old kid as he is, you know, as a 40 year old man, pretty much camera, no camera. It didn't matter. He was, he was always, he was always entertaining for sure. And our boy Jason Swain was a good interview. Swain was a good interview. Um, then you had some guys who were who were not necessarily the most 
you know, high profile guys. I mean, I always enjoy dealing with Wes Brown. I, I thought Wes Brown's just a, yeah. just a, just a fantastic individual to deal with. He was always gracious with his time, even after tough losses. And uh, the feature I did on him for senior day is one of my favorite stories I've ever done, just because he was great to, to hang out and visit with and talk with. There've been a lot of good guys come through. I, I, but again, I think again, like Eric Berry was nice to have conversations with not a lot of fun to interview. No offense, Eric, but that was not his, that was not his forte, but he was a lot funner just to hang out and shoot the breeze with about something. I think for any of us and any, any media that covers recruiting, it is different because you know, the kids from their high school days and they know you. So there's a comfort level when kids come to campus, having talked to Eric or Ben or me or hubs or Rob or Ryan Callahan at 24 seven or, any of those other people that cover recruiting than, you know, somebody that, you know, I mean, no offense to David Oven, but he never know those kids when they got here. So like they didn't know who David Oven was, you know, or, or Blake Topmeyer, you know? So like, I think anybody that's talked to the kids from when they were 16, 17, 18, the kids are more comfortable, especially to chat with for any of us that have known them for several years. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I think there's a you know familiar face, particularly if you've met them face to face somewhere. It's a comfort level for those guys, particularly when they get into a media scrum with a bunch of people they've never seen, you know, for the first few times until until they get comfortable with them. Yeah, I mean, you know, Hubs has heard me tell this story a billion times, um, but like my my philosophy on any of this is, you know, there's a reason Rob goes to the Peach Jam or we go on the state tours, Hubs, because kids when they see our face and realize this is an actual person and not just Charlie on the other end of the speaker box talking to the angels. It, it just changes how kids view you and it, it makes them more comfortable with you. So, yeah. Yeah. There's no question about that. Um, and and to, for me, even though I never made it face to face, I mean, Kevin Simon for me was great to deal with on campus because we talked so much during the recruiting process that once he saw me face to face, I mean, it was an easy connection because, we had, had, had visited so many times during the recruiting process. All right, E. Schaefer, 92, wants to know, seems like over the past few years, Tennessee has finished either second or third for so many blue chippers. What will it take for Tennessee to finish the deal with big-time guys in 23, like Nico, Tate, and Burley? Y you got a win. You got the NIL factor, Austin. You got um, other teams' depth charts. There, there's a lot of variables about there. You, you just got to keep, keep, you know, sledding away and banging away at it. I mean, I think Nico NIL is going to be a bigger factor than NIL is going to be for Burley. I think relationships are probably going to be a little more factor for Burley ultimately when it's all said and done. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what it feels like. Well, I think the biggest thing is, and I see this on the board all the time, well, it just go matter who plays the most. Sometimes, sometimes not. I, I think that's why you have to – the coaches still carry a huge part in this. Very few kids are just going to go to a school because they offer the most opportunities in NIL. Like what a kid's really looking for is someone they can trust, someone they have a good relationship with, and the big NIL package. You know, I mean, you know, I, I think that you, you look at several different factors in all of this. So you're right. I think winning, continuing the upward trajectory this year, not taking a step back, that, that goes a long way to landing the three he named. Um, building relationships. And then again, the NIL package. So to me, it's all in all encompassing. It's not just one thing. Like this whole notion that it's like, well, whoever pays the most is going to get them. That, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think 
you have to also have a rapport with the kid. If the kid doesn't like you, it don't matter how much money you offer. And if the, as long as somebody else is competitive, the kid's going to go where he has the best relationships. Yeah, because ultimately the money's going to get pretty close to. to yeah, uh, again, to, competitive. Can yeah, you get competitive? It's not going to be a situation where somebody's got an astronomical deal at one place and no deal at the other. If you're talking at the Power Five level, um, hey fellas, what's going on with the spring game situation? Will we have one? If not, could you see them doing something for the fans later in the year? Um, I, I am comfortable in saying that the spring game is not going to be in Nashville. It's not going to be played in Nashville. So I think Nashville is off the table. Uh, so what do they do? I, I don't know that Chattanooga is completely off the table. I'm not saying that it's trending that way, but that's at least been explored or is being explored. Um, could they do some kind of limited scrimmage? I don't know. They cannot do anything in, in Neyland Stadium. I do think they will do that. They will probably do something for for the fans at some point, whether it's around a spring game, a spring scrimmage, or whether it's later in the year. We'll have to see. But uh, I think it's pretty clear at this point. There's no guarantee there's going to be a spring game. I am comfortable saying it's not going to be in Nashville, but I would not completely rule out Chattanooga. Although that feels a bit like a long shot at this point uh, on in where things are. I mean, Hubbard, wouldn't the same obstacles be there for Chattanooga? I mean, as far as having to get pay for people to spend the night, or, you, or would they bust down there day of? Um, I mean, you know, you could you could still have some of those similar obstacles. I, I mean, I think part of the part of the issue with the Nissan Stadium is there's some other stuff going along going on at, at Nissan Stadium at this point. Um, you know, with a bunch of other events coming up, they've got the the outdoor hockey game later this month. A um, lot of stuff happening at that venue that could be challenging to add a football game into that venue as well as trying to get a deal worked out there. Um, Chattanooga might be a little simpler because it's just smaller, it's closer, you know, et cetera. Um, I, I would be surprised if there's something in Chattanooga. But again, I, I was told don't rule that one completely out. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But you also can't rule out the fact that there may not be a spring game in, in its truest typical form this season as construction continues inside Neyland Stadium. So, Hubbard, if that's so the case, we'll tell you, Will you be able to pick up the pieces and move on if, if there's no spring game? Be a heck of a streak broken. I just gotta, a, I've got to have one of the longest streaks ever. 94. Going to leave a big hole in your heart. I was a big hole in your heart. I was contemplating not showing up with it being Master Saturday anyway. So Austin, Moving day. Hey, Austin was in like the third grade when I covered my first spring game or something to that effect, right? 94, what were you? Were you in middle school? No, I, I would have been uh, sixth grade. <laughs> yes, sir. He was still playing with a junior set that just had a three, <laughs> a five, a seven, and a nine iron. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's what he was playing golf with while I was covering uh, the 94. Two, uh, a, spring two persimmon head woods, a, a driver and a three wood. <laughs> the old snaps. Sam Snead persimmon head. Only had only had a clinch view pullover in his in his collection. <laughs> he had, that's right. There had been no such. This thing. is true. There was no, there was no, no Peter Millar at that at point. There, there, I had no clue what Peter Millar was in '94. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Burrow Boys six one five Austin. You mentioned that Nico uh, might be close to signing a deal with Spryer in the previous uh, podcast war room. If he were to sign the deal, is that something that they would announce, or would that be kept under the radar? until Nico got to campus, not asking for figures, but what does an NIL deal look like for a high school kid across the country in states where that's allowed? Um, 
yeah, so I, I don't think you'll see it announced if that if they came to an agreement um, beforehand. And and no, I don't. Uh, I, I think you're looking at you know for a quarterback in one of those type of states. I think you're looking at seven figures. Crazy for the high school season. That doesn't count when you arrive on campus. That's that's. That's an Which is a risky proposition. Yeah, because there's no guarantee the kid signs with you. He can change there his mind. There you go. That's and that's right. what makes Nico so risky. Yep. Because but Nico's also a freak. So, like, with great risk comes great reward if you were to land it. Yeah, we'll see. Um, thoughts on the scrum on the U.K. bench on Tuesday night, Rob? And will the SEC or U.K. – assess any kind of punishment to their strength and conditioning coach. I mean, they should. I mean, I, I mean, I haven't seen a great video of it, but there's too many people. I mean, when coach, when Rick Barnes comes out and says, you know, their trainer shoved Zakai, then I'll take that to the bank that it happened. And I think it's ludicrous. I mean, I, you got to punish the guy, but I, I mean, what if, you know, some Kentucky player runs out of bounds in football and a member of Tennessee strength and conditioning staff shoves him. I mean, all hell is going to break loose. I mean, it's maybe not Woody Hayes, but I mean, you're in the same zip code. I, I mean, I think it's in just, I, I think it's pretty egregious that a, a paid professional laid hands on a kid, even if it was something minor. And uh, maybe, maybe Kentucky is spinning it like, you know, he was trying to get Zakai away from his, their players. But I, I think it was pretty clear Zakai was running over there to help bulk you up like Tennessee's players do every single time one of their teammates hit the, hits the floor. I mean, I, th- I thought it was just straight garbage. We'll see if the SEC does anything. I'm going to like guess said, no, but – I mean, what, but, like but, Rick but, said after the game last night, why? I mean, hey, Doug Shouse, I'm going to have my trainers start getting into it with a player every game if it's a personal foul on him and just a team foul on us. Yeah, I mean, that's – I mean, you know, it's, again, all setting technicals, but it's still counted as a personal foul – against Ziegler, which is yeah. different than offsetting. It's not really offsetting technical. No, I mean, it got, you know? it got Tennessee one foul closer to the bonus. But, you know, say a guy picks up a third foul the first two minutes coming out of halftime. Yeah. That changes the game. Yeah, dramatically. I, I thought Carl Ravitch was atrocious last night. I mean, like, uh, arguing that there was a foul, then Jimmy Dykes had to correct him. And, and, and then at one point he talked about Eurosh with quick hands, and it was not even – Eurosh had his hands straight up. And, and it was the off-ball defender that had smacked the ball away. I mean, it was it was bad. Again, we all have our moments, but uh, I, I thought he was particularly blue slanted last night. How was Jimmy Dykes? Because he loves the balls. How was he? I, I think Rick. Jimmy Dykes was very fair. He was fair, but he loves Rick. He he, he likes Rick and he likes the balls. But he he had a good night last night. I, I thought I, I didn't think that um, he overanalyzed the game. I, I thought he let the game environment shine through. And uh, but I thought he pointed out some good things as well. I I, I enjoyed his call last night. I thought. It How did the crowd come nice. through on television? Good. Good. Yeah. I mean, I, it was. It, here's the thing about that: that the crowd came through on TV very well, Rob. Um, the other thing that, and you mentioned this in a tweet, that's the that's the least amount of blue I can ever remember seeing in in Thompson Bowling Arena in recent in recent years. I know that's that's been a conscious effort to prevent that from the takeover. That's the least on TV. That's the least amount of blue I've ever seen. Don't you think the nine o'clock helps that though? No, they're not. Those people they crowd they travel everywhere. <laughs> I mean, and Tennessee fans just didn't sell it. You know, they didn't sell off their tickets, and and there was nothing for for Kentucky people to to, to gobble up. Did you not think it was the least amount of blue, Rob? Totally. I mean, they're you know my memory's not fantastic. Maybe there's some years that were similar, but I mean, I really, 
I was really impressed. It, I mean, it wasn't in, the blue mist was, was never materialized. It was more like a, a blue smattering. The, I mean, the, the real question, the real question that needs to be answered is: Did you spill your coffee last night on press row? No, no, no spilled coffee. Okay, that's, good. Good, that's a good night then. Um, Rob, how has the last month changed the perception of the ceiling of the basketball team for this year and next year? If Kennedy, even if Kennedy Chandler goes pro with uh, Olivier returning, Jonas, the front court doesn't seem like such an Achilles moving forward. Seems like the Vols are positioned for success this year and next year as well uh, as, as much as anybody around the country. You, be, you believe that the perception of this team is different, but because of Jonas and kind of where they are with some guys? Well, you need to get, I mean, I'm, and I'm not trying to start a rumor. I, I, as far as I know, everybody's coming back right now. But, but kids leave all the time. I mean, Brandon, if Brandon comes back, which as far as I know, that's happening right now, Adu comes back, then, then yes. I mean, I think the outlook is pretty strong. You get Olivier back. I think ten, even with all that, I think Tennessee would like to get a, a big in the transfer portal, would like to add some size. And with Kennedy, I mean, I just don't know. I mean, he was, he was fantastic last night, but – I mean, I, mean, I think he has all the potential in the world, but I just, to me, I just don't know that he's a slam dunk first round draft pick right now. I mean, may, maybe he is, but to me, it seems like a, a bit of a question mark. I mean, last year, I, I, I mean, I knew what, I mean, I didn't know Keon was going to vertical jump 48 inches at the combine, but I knew he would go up. I knew he would go up there and get the certified freak stamp. And I thought, you know, Jaden would, was, was a first rounder. Um, I, I just don't, I don't feel like it's a slam dunk with Kitty. And, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe NBA scouts feel differently. But to me, I mean, if you get that kid back and, you know, maybe he gets some kind of NIL package that makes it a little more attractive instead of taking his chances of, of being a second rounder, then, then I think Tennessee could be special next year. And um, continued development of young players and with what Ziegler's done, we'll see what Kennedy Chandler does and other players that have come back. That it does look and, like and nobody's nobody talks about these kids. I think Meshack is going to be a good player, and I think Quentin Debuche is, is going to be a good player. Uh, there's just, I mean, there's just no there are no minutes in that backcourt right now when you talk about the four guys in, in Ziegler, Kennedy, Josiah, and Santi that are, that are it, getting all the work. Is Quentin? I mean, I, I know Meshack's more like a, a, a an athlete who can defend. Is, is Quentin a shooter? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I would call him a pure shooter right now, but he's more of a scorer. He's he's way more smooth on offense than Meshack, way okay. more. All right, Pine Mountain Vol here as we get ready to get out the door. Quarterback recruiting seems to have changed more than any other positions with the portal and the transfer rule. I know the old school rule was to take a high school guy every year. Do you think that's the case anymore? If Tennessee strikes out on Nico Moore and um, – Vins, does they do? Do they look in the portal instead of high school for a player? Uh, guys I, like Vandergriff, Stockton, Simpson, some of these other guys in very competitive situations. There you go. That's that. I mean, that's what I've been saying for the last two weeks. I mean, like, if, if you're not, if you don't get Nico or Dante Moore or Christopher Vizina, then in my opinion, you're better off to go watch tape of Brock Vandergriff, Gunnar Stockton, anybody that that potentially could bolt their current situation because they don't want to, you know, be stuck setting the pine again. So I, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, that's what I'm watching. If I'm Tennessee, that's the one thing I'm trying to do is, you know, take a hard look at the portal. Cause I do think there's some real value there, you know, than going, unless you can get one of these top end high school kids. All right. Last question. Promise one for each of you is Jordan Phillips going to be a difference maker next year on the D line 
We've heard nothing but positive things about him. Jordan will uh, have 30 plus practices next season. That's a lot for a kid because he's going through spring and all that before the season starts. Where do you think Jordan Phillips is from a contributor next year, Austin? Well, I think both he and Tyree West both will have a lot of script of uh, practice time because they both were early enrollees. Um, you know, do I think that they're going to play next year? Yes. Do I think they're going to have a huge factor next year? We'll see. I mean, I, I think a lot of it depends on how quickly they come and how much that uh, Coach Garner can mold them and get out of them between now and the season. And for you, Rob, will Tennessee finally beat Auburn if they can guard the three ball? Uh, I mean, I'm not predicting uh, – I'm not sure what I'm predicting in that game yet. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not predicting it with any confidence. And that's not about Bruce versus Rick. I mean, that's about, you know, Tennessee versus Auburn. I, I think those two big guys inside are, are a tough matchup, for not just for Tennessee, but for, for anybody, and Jabari Smith and, and Kessler. I mean, they will need – they will need a night like they got last night from, from Adu. Well, and sure. the one – Auburn – I mean, I, I don't think Auburn's guards are that great this year. Not like no. they have been. Uh, no, no, not like they have been, but they're good enough and can score well enough that you can't pack it in around those big people. Yep. You got to come true. out. You got to come out and guard away from the basket. If they don't, then, then they're going to hurt you. Kentucky doesn't have a ton of people that can can do that. You know, you can you can pack it in a little bit, but again, Tennessee. If Tennessee has the ability against everybody to switch one through five, that that changes how good of a defensive team that they can be as well. And that, I thought that was a huge advantage last night, Rob, because. I don't know if they switched that much in Rupp Arena. They may have, but I don't remember them switching like that. But they switched everything last night, and it really affected Kentucky. Yeah, I, thought. I think they were so worried. And, and, I, and, again, I don't know what the percentage was versus the Kentucky game up there, but I think in the first game they were so worried about Sheway on the boards that that really impacted, like, where they were going to switch, you know, where they were going to give help, that kind of thing. I think last night they kind of just, you know, Played him pretty straight up. I mean, he, I mean, he got 15 rebounds, but it did, it did not kill Tennessee. No, at all. No. I mean, I, I, I think, and I think they just kind of played through, played how they would normally play, and you know, didn't shift everything to him. Yeah, well, and it's certainly paid off. They were terrific last night. Before we get out the door, we do want to wish a good luck this weekend to Eli Hubs as he battles in sectionals with a chance to get back to the state wrestling tournament. If you want to see Brent in full rare form, just go to Halls High School Saturday all day long. He'll have his peanuts, and he'll be yelling at officials like he does every Friday night. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't yell at those officials because I don't know the rules well enough to yell at those officials. To know he what looks like he looks like AP. This I don't, you you may not even remember. He looks like shoot from Vision Quest. Hey, that doesn't stop Mark Packer from from criticizing the officials <laughs> on Rivalry Thursday. He doesn't know the rules either. So. By the way, I'll I'll say this out the door. I don't generally talk about these things. The thread. Uh, where people were congratulating me uh, about my son was fantastic. And to the guy who posted that I use Eli Hubbs' ID to buy beer was one of the best threads we've seen. All, all it really was. It was great. A long time. I, hats off. Very creative. Very good thread. Uh, and very good post there. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. Listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.